Cassia Person Institute is a research and training institute using collaborative dialogical practices to rebuild lives. Here we see you as a person, not as a diagnosis, that may have defined or limited you in the past. Here we believe in you. The narratives of pain and suffering our clients begin with are transformed into conversations honouring their innate strengths, resilience and hope for the future. This podcast is to inspire and share stories of hope and healing for both people who suffer and the people that are trying to support them. Okay, so this is so um, Dr. Susan Swam. I'm executive director of Now I See a Person Institute, and my colleague Emma McIntosh, and she is faculty at Now I See a Person Institute. And we have this opportunity today to talk with this amazing, wonderful family and hear some. Um, amazing stories from them of what it was like participating with us, although this was some time ago that they all were together participating with us, and perhaps what their voices would like to talk about today in terms of having some thoughts on what would be helpful to give perhaps clients hope that were in situations that were similar to theirs and to also um, help clinicians in the field know what might be some things that are helpful to do with the type of situations that they found themselves in several years ago. So our first wonderful person um, is going to start and we aren't going to be naming anybody but um you can go ahead and take yourself off mute and maybe answer some of the initial thoughts that i sent out okay hello hi 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 okay so um i'll repeat the question the question was how or how did the experience with you help us or feel different than other experiences we went through? It was mm-hmm. a different approach. And then I think about your guys's organization name, like now I see a person. And when I was younger and I thought about the organization name, I didn't really understand it. I was like, what does that mean? Like now I see, like now I see someone to help me, but it's really um, I'm trying to think of the word that I can't. No, it's really reminiscent of what I experienced there because it was less of a, like a psychoanalyzation and it was more of you saw who we were as a person and less of I'm trying to fix you or diagnose you and like put you even on a route of like medicine or something and more of let me understand you as a person and let's work through it like that. And what I recall um, with so much fondness was that the four of you were referred to us from um, uh, an agency. Um, And at that point in time, you guys were in foster care and even if your siblings decided they didn't want to come that day, like you were there every week. And one of the reasons why is that I think it was because we, we had our horse Jack, right? And you, were, you had a, a great relationship with that horse. Yes, I did love Jack and Maggie. And just, I guess being able to experience something that other kids didn't really get to experience it felt special so Mm -hmm. the time always felt so special Mm -hmm. and um it it it's you know one of the things that 
um, I can remember is that um, that even when we were in the transition of moving our site so that we had the site um, at Benelli and then we had the site that we moved to um, another part of Los Angeles County, um, we used to always call what we were doing um, horse therapy. And, you know, one of the things that we started doing, you actually were one of our first clients. I don't know if, if you guys all know that, but that was when I was working at specifically one university and we had the opportunity to have all of the students that were studying at that university uh, come to join us and, and that's why we were, we were fortunate to have so many therapists in training that were able to witness what was happening with your family. And I was talking with Emma about this this morning because I don't know if you guys remember when we did that um, we did that conference for the Taos Institute in San Diego, and you guys graciously came to San Diego to tell to tell your story. And um, it, it really, your family has been so instrumental in the type of work that we do because we, we try to let everybody have a voice where you have, where the children, no matter what their ages are, that they have a voice that they can, they can have, whether it's part of our, our team, um, or myself that we're able to have conversations about what is important for you and then um, and then have conversations together. I can remember in the very beginning, there would be like, especially when we moved to the second ranch, there was like so many people that were there um, as far as social workers and either foster families and things like that. So, so maybe, what what you could talk about and then <clears throat> then we can let somebody else talk is like because you were what what age were you at that point in time when you first came do you remember uh, I couldn't be any more than six or seven mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so um so like what would you what kind of like advice if you would have any advice to to clinicians that might be hearing this um that that they don't have horses readily available to them um and now i think as you guys know that we do a lot of telehealth and as well as working in people's homes or working a little bit still with the horses what what would you tell them would be the type of things that that you would need being in foster care and this being a very kind of um, different experience for for you, um, what would be some helpful things that that would have been that that you found that you received at that point in time that you would want other children to be able to receive? Um, it, I guess it wasn't necessarily just the horses. It was nice to have the horses because it was something that, like I said, we had had an experience before, but it was just that you made everything so special during that time. You would bring us special foods or we would like do special activities. We'd be outside. It wasn't, we were, it wasn't like before we would be confined in an office. We had toys there maybe, but it was something that was, seemed like what usually happened we had been to different places before, but they didn't have, there wasn't anything like that that we had experienced before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a together thing we did too. <clears throat> yes, uh-huh. definitely. And just being able to see my mom more and having a relaxed environment and just being with family. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <clears throat> so... I, I know that some of you guys are kind of on a, on a time limit and, you know, hopefully that we can follow this up with another conversation when everybody has a little bit of time, but I'm so glad that we have 
everybody who's here today. Would the next person, would the next wonderful person that has their story, would they like to the talk next that is on a time limit? Hi, hello. Hello, yes, hi. Hello. Um, yeah, so basically during that time, um, oh, sorry, like uh, going back to the original question of how therapy affected us positively, negatively. Mm -hmm. um, so before coming to Now I See a Person, I had done therapy for a little bit when I was, I want to say I was six, probably six or, yeah, six or seven. Yeah, between mm -hmm. that time um, mm -hmm. for a couple of months. And it was different because it was in a, um, like the previous person I mentioned, it, we were, you know, kind of confined to a room and it was one-on-one. -on -one, so it didn't feel it felt more, um, more, I guess, isolating mm -hmm. and, um, jumping forward to now I see a person. It, I think one of the things that made me feel so comfortable is that I was there with my, with my family, with my, my sisters and my mom. Mm -hmm. And it really allowed us to connect better in a, a safe, a safe place, a safe mm -hmm. setting, everything. Um, I feel like all the therapists were pretty mellow mm -hmm. and even when things would you know, become more, maybe more intense, people would get a little more passionate. I felt like that just always brought things back and it centered all of us. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful during that time. Um, because we weren't seeing our mom during that time, that also helped us to connect better with her, as well mm -hmm. as my siblings too. I was, even though I was living with them, um, it helped us to like, I, I think, build a stronger bond overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's what I remember um there's other like details too but I know those are like the things that really stuck out to me was just how I felt and how I felt safe and open but it didn't feel like um didn't feel like a burden it didn't feel overwhelming like I would had to just like talk and talk it felt more free so I do have a question for you because I, I but so did it ever feel mm -hmm. like like anyone was forcing you to talk or that you that you had to be um I'm trying to think of the right word but you had to be cognizant of what you were no that's I think that's what made it feel so different was because of the setting we were in and just the way the way all the staff really would speak to us. It didn't feel, nothing felt, everything felt like more organic. You know, it felt like we were just like talking how we would to like a friend. It didn't feel like we were being forced to answer a certain way or, mm -hmm. um, or we were just like forced to talk at all. We would just kind of want to talk mm -hmm. to, to each other. And I think also you guys would just pick, like pick up other things from just how we interacted because we were mm -hmm. allowed to be ourselves there. We didn't have to like, you know, sit down or anything we were allowed to play and run around mm -hmm. but I think even because you did mention about how how now there's a lot of like um teletherapy and things like that mm -hmm. something I would recommend is just like keeping that um that like caring nurturing like um you know way about you guys mm -hmm. and just I think that really helps people to open up and to feel like like what what they're saying matters and that you guys are like actually listening to them. I think mm -hmm. that's what's really helpful. Cause I know it's obviously it's a different sort of feeling not being in person. I, I really enjoyed that, but I know not everybody can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then just through that relationship of talking, mm -hmm. I think that you mutually, or at least I think as, as a clinician that you do find out what, you know, like, what are even your favorite things to talk about? Because this is your time. And, right. and I think, I think sometimes therapists go in with an agenda of what they mm -hmm. want to, when it's really your time to give us an agenda of what you would like to talk about or not talk about. Or how can you just feel maybe just a little bit better after a conversation and um, right. so you know one of the things that sticks out to me when you're when we first all met together at the second ranch because we were at the second place when when 
um, your mom started coming. And do you remember the trampoline? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk about that just for a minute? Yeah. Um, so we didn't always, no, we did always have the trampoline, right? At the second place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were just like, it was just like little things like, like the trampoline and the horses, like we were just allowed to run around and like play and have fun. And it didn't mm -hmm. feel restrictive at mm -hmm. all. It mm -hmm. didn't feel like we were doing anything wrong. You even let us ride the golf, the golf carts. I think, yeah, mm -hmm. you might've let the girls drive one or something. Mm-hmm. Mm Mm -hmm. you, yeah like it, they had the, the supervision but like even like that it just felt like it, it felt very open it didn't feel um it didn't feel, yeah it just it didn't feel like you guys were our superiors more I mean we like I felt like we had respect for you more or less later on but mm -hmm. um but it just it felt very um I guess communal and friendly it didn't mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I love the word communal because it yeah. was, it was a, we, a, we thing, you know, right. being all together mm -hmm. and, and, um, it never felt like a hierarchy with, I felt like, like a therapy, it didn't feel like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, and then maybe you could just talk a little bit about, because I don't know, like, I know those times were, well, I don't know, but I assume those times were, were difficult at, you know, like, um, and, and, and things just, you know, you have such a beautiful family and everyone in your family has just blossomed. You know, I just got to see your younger brother who, you know, was just a baby, not mm -hmm. too, too long ago. Right. right. <laughs> and, and now he's the age that, that that you guys are um what would if you had any kind of like thoughts on 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 what helps young children like what would be some of the 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 things that would foremost stick out for you in just like in therapy in general or just like overall well I think oh therapy overall. in general or or overall in in being that age range and then find yourself in a very unique situation yeah I think I really liked your approach because we all were pretty young at the time well I think I was 10 and so like you know when you're that young you don't really have a a long attention span but mm -hmm. you guys would keep us engaged by um by just doing like you know we would just do random things together we'd like play games and we just um, like it was, we were never like um, forced to to speak on specific topics. You would just kind of like move the conversation around, and it felt very natural. It didn't feel, um, it didn't feel like coerced or anything. So mm -hmm. I think that was nice. Um, just having you guys be like be fun with us and um, being like we do like different creative little things, like we do crafts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think that's what really helped us to feel mm -hmm. like feel at ease and just be able to connect with you guys better mm -hmm. and feel you know build a relationship that way rather mm -hmm. than trying to like you know make it so therapist and patient it didn't you know because mm -hmm. I think it, it was all about like when you're talking I'm just thinking and I have all these memories coming back to me mm -hmm. and I I think building relationships is is very key. It was just about right, you know, constantly building, you know, relationships, and mm -hmm. and there were there were so many different voices. You know, if I was in right. your shoes, I would have been confused at times over like the multiple voices. No, but it never it never felt like that though, and I think because. Um, yeah, because we we did build a relationship that way. It was easier to open up mm -hmm. and it was easier to like talk about more personal things rather than you just like asking us like personal questions and then us feeling like, we, I feel like we would just more so tell you. Mm -hmm. And then through, through because of the way we initially met and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the, the first impression was really important for all of us. Mm -hmm. I know my, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> we've been doing this for a while. We've been doing podcasts for about a year. So we're really good mm-hmm. at like, like not when we first started doing this, we'd actually mention people's names and things like that. And we'd have to start over again. It was very, it was a little oh. bit different. But um, but we've gotten better at that. Um, but but I love like these ideas that you guys are generating because I think that people can learn things in school about how to you know like one of the things that I remember hearing from your mom in the beginning was that you know very soon after all of these events happened that that the therapists that you guys were seeing at that point in time. Were, were saying that you guys were too traumatized to continue therapy with your mom. And, mm. and so, you know, I think it's important for, because a lot of times clinicians learn how to be clinicians from a book, right? And, uh-huh. and right. Or, or who's teaching that class. Um, different, different professors are going to have different, different takes even on the exactly. same class. Mm-hmm. And so they go in there armed with lots of different ideas to do. And sometimes they will say things like, you know, that, um, you know, accidentally they'll say things that are just disparaging about the parents they didn't even meet yet. And so um, I just really loved that we were really all able to meet together because it was just the four of us at first. And then mm-hmm. how we added. we added, yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes. Well, so we know that you have to get back to work as well. Is there anything that, that you would like to add or you can stop there and then maybe we can get together at another time, but we appreciate so much you, you all sharing your time. Yes, thank you for having me, and I enjoyed this. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. So we're going to go now to the the next older sister that is on this call, <laughs> and um, the next wonderful sister. And um, I don't know if, uh, so this is the, this sister that also has young children of her own right now. So do you want to take yourself off mute? There you go. Take yourself off mute. So, um, so like, do you have any reflections on what your other sisters said or what do you think would be important for you, for you to talk about? Um, well, I was just thinking about how the girls were talking about how this experience was just so much more different than being with other therapists. And I was thinking the same thing, but I think what they didn't really mention was the fact that going to therapy with you never really felt like therapy. Mm -hmm. It more felt like being with family, hanging out. It wasn't a thing where we were forced to talk. There were never any leading questions. Um, um, never any uh, negative it seemed like negative feeling toward our mom that mm-hmm. it felt like with other therapists mm-hmm. who didn't know our mom so mm-hmm. um, I think that was very different and and comforting and, and more comfortable it didn't feel like there was sides that needed to be choosed or um, an answer that needed to be said it wasn't a uh, I can, I can recall time in therapy before we were going to horse therapy um, when I was sitting down with uh, my therapist and she was telling me that I needed to say something that, or we were just going to sit there in silence. And it was never like that horse therapy. It always felt so comfortable. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just always, let's talk about your feelings. It was, oh, mm-hmm. how, was, how has school been? Or have you mm-hmm. been enjoying visiting with your mom? Or, or what are you going to do this weekend? It wasn't, it wasn't anything that was, that needed to be said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then you also had a difficult time too, because, um, and, and you, you do not have to talk about this, but I was talking with Emma about it this morning that, pardon me um like they completely took out of context something you said yeah Mm -hmm. and that was and and it was so silly because how old were you when you said that 
I was, I had just turned eight because it was when the case had first started. They had placed us into therapy and, um, and it was my first session there. It was a, I don't, I don't know what they called it, but it wasn't even with the therapist that I was going to be seeing. It was with a different therapist. I think it was like a test run, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really upsetting. It was, uh, you know, I was only eight. I was upset. I was away from my mom. I didn't want to be where I was. Right. I felt like um, there was a lot of unfair treatment in the home that I was in mm-hmm. and uh, certain people were being favored more than others mm-hmm. and I felt like I was um, kind of being targeted and picked on because I was trying to do what I felt was right at the time mm-hmm. and, and they yeah I I had said um, I had you know being angry you say something you say oh I just want to kill this person and I right upset being a child I just I had said it and um they completely completely misunderstood it and and in a way kind of um was were leaning towards something that that wasn't there they they had asked they had asked all the right questions to in order to remove me from the house so I just just, yeah right right and that was at eight, you know, that was, you know, you know, I, I remember hearing that and thinking to myself, well, actually my team, I think we were all talking, you know, because uh, we had a, a, a different team of therapists and mm-hmm. we were all talking among ourselves, like, how could that have happened? Like, because some of them were mothers as well. I mean, I was, yeah. a mother, you know, and, you know, like kids say things, how could you take something from a child that young and think that they had um, a means, plans, and intent. I mean, like, you, you're a mom, so you yeah. can see it from a mom's eyes. Like, you know, like, really? Like, like that's, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. I My four-year-old says some really outrageous stuff, and I know <laughs> he doesn't mean any of it, but he says it. And I just can't imagine if someone took him seriously and would really uh, – place him into a, a mental institution that's I mean I would lose my mind I, I don't understand it I know I know and so I always felt I always felt like I always you know the story the story that you guys had through this journey was a very very hard journey but I think that that I was always like geez that just really was wrong like you know like like but like, like there were so many things that you went, geez, that's really wrong, but that was really a big one. And, um, and I hope that then clinicians hearing this, you know, will, will, will take this into consideration because, um, children, you know, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times that there's a lot of clinicians that do not have children. Um, that they wait a while to have children. And I always tell my staff, before I had my my daughter, I was not a really great therapist because I always took the parent's side too, right? Like, I mean, the child's side. So when the parent would come in and they would say things like, you know, my child, let's just talk, say we're talking about teenagers. My child, you know, is doing this or that. I'd be like, you know, you're thinking in your head, having this, you know, monologue in your head at the same time that you're listening to somebody else, like, well, that sounds kind of strict or, you know, and so, <clears throat> you know, you can tell by the way the therapist is talking, it, it might not be what they're saying, but it might be like what their facial expression looks like, or it could be like what they don't say. And so I used to tell my, my learners that, I would just run off parents like right and left, like, like they would just make it, they'd be there for a couple appointments and then bingo, they're gone. <clears throat> and then when I had my own daughter and realized, you know, that it is a community, it's relationships, you know, it's, if a child is saying, I hate my mom, that doesn't mean that, you know, um, oh my gosh, we've really got to watch this woman. Right. And, and things like that, we keep it in context. And I think that we accidentally don't do that. And then what happens is that then unfortunately, then a young child can be hospitalized that that is too young to even 
to to even come up with ideas of how they would do things <clears throat> that an older child might say. So, but, um, but yeah, like, so, um, but I think it happens in, in lots and lots of, of different contexts of, um, you know, whether it's in the schools and schools, you know, like children are identified as having, um, some kind of disorder you know I read something today that talked about you know are these really disorders or are these coping mechanisms and I thought well you know I wish they had been talking about that for the last 40 years right instead of like now but at least there's a time right now that they're talking they're talking about that because most children are able just to just to grow through things as as they as they you know are working through whatever whatever stressors um that they might be going through so do you have anything else that you would want to comment on then with that talking as a mom um I just, I mean, nothing really else to tell about. Just want to say how much I appreciated our time in therapy and going and just how accepting you were to um, just, just bringing us back together, like just making sure to focus on the family bond and never really uh, discluding my mom or, or talking her down or, you know, uh, reminding us how traumatized we are about anything i i really did appreciate our time there and all the work put into our family and i i think that's a really important thing that you just talked about is is that is that certainly where there are hard times but does that mean that you guys were quote unquote traumatized you know i think all of us saw you as children and children that had difficult times, but not that you were traumatized children, I, if, if that makes sense. And I think that's how all children, and, I, and, and, and that is, you know, when we started calling this Now I See a Person Institute, it was named after one of my university students talking about that she had a client that things weren't working well or she didn't feel that things were working well and we talked about that in a group setting kind of like this a community where people felt safe to talk and then um and then after our conversation together she went in and talked to this client and said um um, now I saw a person in front of me instead of what people had told me about this person or what was in the notes or things like that. I saw for myself and I saw that the problem, quote unquote, wasn't, wasn't the person. It was me trying to get this person to do something that it was me wanting them to do, not that even had anything really to do with what their needs were. So I think as clinicians, you know, we have to have that connection and our, our needs are based on what your needs are, not that we have pre-planned, we have pre-planned ideas of, of what is going to be of help or not. I think, I think, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to address that to the person that has children of that's the oldest offspring here now, but even with your own children, you can see how you don't wake up every day day and have a pre-planned idea of how things are going to go is that correct oh yeah that's that's correct and so I think it's that way in any kind of human interaction whether it's you know clinicians trying to help people that have been going through difficult times or anything and I think when we try to make it into this strict rote kind of thing that each person is treated the same way and you go into each session try and do this or that 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 we lose that relationship that human relationship that's that's that is so necessary for people to not feel like they're going through difficult situations 
Um, okay, so what I think we'll do now is that we're gonna talk with your your mom who has been patiently um, waiting, and maybe we could get some of of her ideas. So, a wonderful mom, would you like to take yourself off mute, and we could could hear some of your ideas? Hi, sure. Now you're on my car Bluetooth, but <laughs> okay, that's um, yeah. fine. Just listening to the girls and and uh, you know their, their thoughts on it as adults, as young adults, I'm just amazed at how well they were able to articulate, you know, what they were going through at the time and how it affected them and how they saw um, perceived their treatment to be uh, with. Now I see a person uh, because. It's important to me, you know, that they understand as young adults, you know, some of the aspects of, of what we went through during that case. And I'm so pleased that we found you. It was just seemingly by coincidence that we came to you. And it's only because they were in therapy and I had confronted one of the social workers and said, why, why do you keep putting, I don't have a desire to return have my children return to me in the reports I, I asked her and I was pretty confrontational I just really didn't care at that point I had done everything they asked me to do and they didn't want to um, like you said of reunifying us as a family uh, no matter how many classes I took and successfully took them I had glowing comments from the the therapists that I was seeing you know they all said I made progress and they all said I was doing great and I showed um, you know a lot of passion about being with my children, but yet the department was still against, the apartment and the children's attorneys were against me reunifying and I didn't understand it. It was very frustrating for me, but I kept going. I wasn't about to give up, but it was frustrating nonetheless. And it was quite scary, you know, to think that I would never see my children again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we went to you, I didn't have, I didn't have much, I, I felt defensive. Like I had to defend my position and, uh, and, and my love for my kids. I felt like I needed to right away, you know, um, declare that to you so that you would know, yes, I do love my children. It's, you know, I'm not this uh, person that has no desire to be with their children. This is a, a mother that wants to reunify and, and loves her children. I, I felt that right away that I didn't trust you guys. I did not trust you guys at all. The first meet and even into the, you know, third and fourth meet, I did um, the first meet, I, I thought, oh, this is just too good to be true. You know, this is probably some trick. I mean, I know it sounds paranoid, but that's how no, I felt. Not, I had, not at all. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had such bad experience with the other therapist. Um, I feel like they didn't even give me a chance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you guys did, you know, give me a chance and an opportunity to um, demonstrate my love for them just in little ways on site at your, you know, the ranch and Benelli Park and all those different, you know, mm -hmm. places that we met. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like you did give me the opportunity and you did make a go of it to see what would happen. I mm -hmm. feel like the other places didn't offer that at all. I mean, from mm -hmm. the outset, they were just, um, yeah, I, I feel like the kids are nervous and they're, they're too scared to meet. Mm -hmm. And that was, nothing could be further from the truth. If they would give us, you know, just 10 minutes together, mm -hmm. they would see that, that the kids, mm -hmm. you know, might've been awkward the first two minutes because we had like, uh, stop, they had stopped the visits mm -hmm. and the visits were, were fine. They were just going fine. But um, after like a year of doing the classes and like I said, got getting certificates, you they don't just give the certificates away. You know, you have to earn them. You have to- sure participate in the means and you have to acknowledge any wrongs you've done and you have to take accountability and and um, talk about these things and mm -hmm. and that's what I did but they still was not good and nothing was good enough um, right. nothing I was doing was good enough for them so um, going there was just completely different and it, it fared very well uh, for the children for their futures you know to see what they've come now not to say they couldn't have done that in foster care mm -hmm. but 
what they were getting into and, and uh, it was nothing horrible, but what they were doing was something that I would have never approved, things that I would have never approved of as a parent. Mm-hmm. And they know that like in, in my house under my rules and, and um, you know, as being their mother, I would have said, no, you can't wear that. You can't go here. You cannot do this, but you can do that. You know, just, just different, um, I guess, child rearing, different looks on child rearing outlooks on child rearing like I'm talking about foster parents parents they had several uh, in comparison with my views and stuff so um and you know the thing for them not to go to school I mean and them to for the department to say oh it's because they fear the mother that's why they they can't go to school because they can't focus they're scared to be in school afraid the mother will show up I mean that was that was not that was nonsense it was right. nonsense and it wasn't very forthcoming. It just was an outright lie and <laughs> it was ridiculous, but overall, well, you know I mean, what, I, I, uh-huh. you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when you're little and you're playing that game of telephone. And so it might start with ice cream, right? <laughs> or I want ice cream. And then it ends with a completely different narrative. And I guess that's one of the things that I saw and in retrospect is that by the time we met you, you were not a person anymore. You were um, a list of um, deficiencies Mm -hmm. and, you know, and you had to fight hard to, to everyone. So not just to, you know, a new set of therapists, but you had to fight hard for your own children. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to share with you the first day that I met you. And and the first day that I met you, you brought a suitcase full of pictures um, to our office then that was a a, a travel trailer. And, And we went into the very back of the travel trailer and you, you showed me all these beautiful pictures of Easter and Christmas and bathtubs and, and <laughs> I mean, like, there was just, but the children had not seen this either because the children had been gone for a significant period of time. And so they had their memories as well had faded of that wonderful safety that was at home of, of because they also had new narratives that they were given after they were removed from the home because we, we, we actually spent a session, I think in 2012, talking about that, of the narratives that, that, that they were given to explain why they were taken away from their parents. Right. Yeah, I do recall that. And I, I did it with purpose. You know, I deliberately took those photos because to me, those photos spoke volume, volumes of our relationship, um, my kids and, and my relationship. You know, you could see a happy child. And yes, pictures don't tell the whole story. Um, but I was just thinking you know, on paper, it just sounded so horrible. Like they weren't cared for, um, you know, they were, um, neglected and mistreated and, you know, just so many different things. I said, wow, you know, I want to show something that, you know, shows them with awards and their happy times. So there's at least another side of it. There's something besides all the negative. Um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to show that because I, I, like I said, I felt defensive. I felt like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be judged and put down again. And, you know, I'm not going to get an opportunity. So this is my one chance to do it. It was like you said, it was our first meet. And that was so important for me to grab that stuff and, and show it to whomever, you know, would, I would be talking to, I didn't even know I, this is, it was my first time meeting you, you all. So I didn't know if I was going to speak to one person or multiple people, but I sure wanted to be ready um, to, to display those photos, hoping that was my small glimmer of hope that 
they would say, no, that these kids look so happy. There, there must be another side to this and at least mm -hmm. give me an opportunity to, mm -hmm. to continue in therapy and not just shut me down and, and shut the kids down and say, yeah, I think, I don't think it's healthy. Cause I, I feel like you guys are scared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, I feel like that's what they did immediately. Mm -hmm. Just basing it off the, the workers and the attorneys and stuff. Uh, I don't know. And yeah, no, I, I thought that was brilliant. Um, and I think that so much brilliance comes from a mother's love. When you love your children so much and you're so desperate to righten uh, situations, um, whatever that might be, um, which I think, you know, you've told me before in previous conversations that, you know, it was all course, it was for us, but it was also the, the, the children. So we, we became together this community of, of, um, of serving this family. And it, yeah. it took, it, it took many different kind of, you know, and, and, and just for the basis of kind of clarifying for clinicians, we included the social workers, we included the social workers from the department, we included the social workers from the, the local foster agency, we included all of the foster parents, even those they might change, and their children. So we had, you know, it was a big you know, we had tables set up and things like that. And again, we did try to serve food to have it be a community where people could feel safe to be able to have conversations. And plus, like one of one of the members of your family talked about that we had their favorite snacks because it's not hard to pick up somebody's favorite snacks. I mean, like like children are so easy to to um to offer them things that make them more comfortable in, in an environment that kind of yells uncomfortableness <laughs> and and how do you make this as natural as possible so that everybody can feel that they have a safe voice and a safe presence and that they don't walk away from it feeling worse than they did when they first came and and being able to talk with the 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 social workers what and I learned that from from my time at the institute that I was prior to this institute is that then they were able to see you in a different light they were able to see that person of who you were they were able to see you interacting with your children it it didn't fit what the report said about you yeah, not only that, um, if I can just interject real quick, you know, the, the visits, uh, to the best of my recollection, were ordered in a therapeutic setting. That was the only way we could visit. Mm -hmm. So um, that actually ended up helping us because, um, and not working against us, because the, like you said, the social workers were able to see the interaction between parent and child, um, between uh, the parent and therapist, because mm -hmm. we were in a group setting in a therapeutic environment mm -hmm. and it didn't align with what they had previously put in the reports. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there was, there was really nothing to, um, not much negative to write about. I mean, they could say, yeah, they could approve in this area, but there was nothing to, um, for lack of a better term, like bash the parent with, as <laughs> I felt <laughs> like that's what they were doing, you know, mm -hmm. just bashing me without giving me the opportunity to, prove myself. Yes, I did the classes. Yes, I had uh, the glowing remarks from my therapist, but there was nothing for um, me with, you know, with the children. And this mm -hmm. was, was what helped the family reunify, you know, um, and the kids, like my one daughter having, being a mother herself, you know, now she sees things so differently and um, she'll, tell me things like, wow, I can't even imagine what you went through. And she'll tell me stuff like that. Um, I, I can't even imagine if that ever happened to me or, you know, being away from being separated from my children. I mean, now it's completely different. So I'm glad she's able to kind of look back on that and reflect on it and stuff and, 
and see certain things as a parent? Well, I think that, and I think that you're just a wonderful parent. And I think that why we're here today celebrating your family is because of what a wonderful parent you are and how much love you have you had them and you continue to have for all of your children. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I just, I'm very sad for the parents that never had their children returned that mm -hmm. really wanted them, that really loved them so much and, and wanted to be with them. Some of them willingly gave up because they just couldn't handle it emotionally, mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so grateful to God that I was able to withstand, you know, the mental anguish of it all being separated, you know, from the children and watching things that I didn't like or agree with, um, mm -hmm. you know, with them participating in certain things as teenagers um, and some risky, risky behavior uh, that could have led them down a real bad path. Um, I'm so pleased and thankful to God that, you know, they went on to go to college uh, become married, mm -hmm. um, just re lead responsible young adult lives that they're living now and, you know, with aspirations and, and hopes for the future. I'm mm -hmm. so happy that, that this is what I'm seeing and witnessing. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that you have to run in too, because you've probably have our, our, our needed um, at another place. And, and again, I'd like to, to like, this would be the kind of the first um, leg of this or the first opportunity to all talk together. But um, so like, what would, what would you want to reach out and, and, and tell or share with clinicians or people that might be suffering in the same ways that that you were suffering well to address the clinicians please you know give it a go give it so to speak you know give it an opportunity to um to succeed don't just shut people down and um judge them off the papers or reports because there's always more to the story uh the, these social workers are are um trained to write professionally and, and they're very good at what they do. And I'm not saying they're bad or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes they can just see a very narrow picture and with their skilled writing, you know, they, they have uh, to put towards these reports. It's not always, you know, just that side of it. There is always another side. Uh, so please give an opportunity for um, parents and children to, to make it, you know, give, give somebody a chance. And um, for the parents, don't lose hope and don't give up and never give up, never give your children over to the system. I'm so glad that it took four and a half years um, mm -hmm. for my kids to come home. And it was so shocking the the day they, I didn't even expect it. I went to court mm -hmm. and and they said, we, we recommend home a parent. And I was like, there's no way. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, they're probably not gonna do it. But when I, I heard home a parent, I had to do a double take. I, I mean, I, I, I was kind of like looking down, shuffling papers and thinking about what I was going to say next because I was representing myself. And, and they did not tell me this. They did not say that was their recommendation. They didn't confer with me before the hearing. Mm -hmm. And when they said that, I was just shocked. And then the judge, you know, hit her gavel and made the orders home of parent. I was <laughs> just shocked. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the first two kids. The next two kids came um, because they were misbehaving about to be kicked out of foster care and go into a group home. And the social <laughs> worker called me after hours and said, I just want to advise that your, your kids are going to this particular home. And I said, why would you send them there? That's where they started drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana. And mm -hmm. she said, well, do you want them? And I <laughs> said, yes. And she said, well, I'm going to give you the address to go pick them up. And you know, Mm -hmm. uh, she, they're not even supposed to give me the address of these foster caretakers there. It's mm -hmm. confidential, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so they, she gave me the, the physical address and immediately after hours, I went to go get my, my two other girls and they did not want to 
come. That's another story in itself. I won't go into mm-hmm. it. They mm-hmm. didn't want to come to my house. They were teenagers with a, a you know, a very stubborn, yeah. strong-willed, and they ended up staying. That's the that's the point. This is still in, in addressing the parents. You know, they didn't want to come. They didn't want to be with me, but they stayed, and and uh, they ended up staying until their twenties, uh, their early twenties. They stayed in my home. So, and they were teenagers. They were just, I think, 13 and four, 12 and 13 at the time when they returned. I ended yep. up staying for years beyond the time that, you know, they could have stayed till even 18 and said, you know what, I'm out of here. I, I don't like your rules, but right. they didn't do that. And it was not an easy road. But, and then another one came back because they didn't want him anymore. He was in their eyes out of control and they dumped him in my lap. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely take my son back. Mm-hmm. You know, he was already going to juvie and stuff and, and uh, he came home. So there's mm-hmm. always hope. Don't ever mm-hmm. give your kids to the system. Please don't do that. Mm-hmm. It might be frustrating and it might be difficult, but it's, you know, don't give up hope. Always fight, mm-hmm. always fight for your kids. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and, you know, I'm just thinking like, <clears throat> and that always to remember that you are a consumer right? That like, I was talking to somebody on Monday and, um, um, and their, their case is closed at this point in time. And, um, and, but they were contacted because there were some things that hadn't been signed and things like that. And, and, you know, we were, everybody who, who is involved in the system becomes very afraid and they almost don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Because of that, that fear. And, and what you did is that you did not give up. You did not let a group of therapists or clinicians or, or institutions keep you from constantly trying to, to have your children you it was it was a full-time it was a full-time it was a full-time endeavor and you know when you know one of the you know it was it was just such a beautiful process to see the success you know there were times that you know I remember one time that that um, you, you, uh, um, there were some setbacks with with the department because of your disclosure of certain things, and um, and 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 you just kept on, you know, um, moving forward, just moving, moving, moving forward, and in the end, everybody was able to see who you are as a person and you know that you know maybe the bond with your family is tighter than it ever could be because of some of the adversity that everybody went through and um really everybody fighting for each other right oh yeah um yeah, I think I think we are stronger because of it. I mean, I still miss those years, and I'm still saddened by that. But I don't, I can't dwell on that. Things have have uh, turned for the better, and you know, there's really nothing we can do to correct that. But um, it does it does make me sad when I think about. It. I try not to think about that, and I just think about where we're at today. Um, because if I start dwelling on that, you know, it'll it'll get very sad for me. Um, do I wish I had those years? Sure. But Mm -hmm. I have my grandkids now and I have my kids as adult, as young adults. And, you know, they're wonderful kids. I couldn't ask for a a better family. I'm I'm so happy that I continued having children Mm -hmm. (laughs) because people were like, how many are you going to have? What number Mm -hmm. is this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we're just so happy together. And, and uh, it just seems now they tell me, mom, we seem like such a small family and to everybody else, we're such a huge family, but my own kids tell me, Mom, we just seem like a small family. 
Mm. I think they wish there would be more of that. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, so, so I just think that this is wonderful that we all were able to get together. You know, it had been, it's been a few years since we all talked all at the same time. You know, when I was listening to each one of your daughter's voices, I was just like, they are just so polished and so eloquent and so brilliant. And, you know, each, each thing that, you know, or each theme that they, they talked about was just, um, it, you know, these are very accomplished young women. And I'm, I'm going to ask Emma. Emma usually has the best ideas of, of <laughs> between, a bit the, between the two of us. I, I was wondering if maybe, Emma, you could just give some of your reflections before we adjourn. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have the best reflections. I think everybody that has spoken before me has, has the best reflections, but it's, it's really interesting um, to hear, like I've heard this wonderful family talk before and every time I listen, I, I learn something new. So thank you for, for speaking today. Um, I guess that the thing that really kind of resonates for me is the, the the importance of creating a safe space where people feel heard and where where you kind of make that space as comfortable as possible so people can be themselves and not feel threatened and where conversations can kind of grow organically. I think one of the wonderful people that had spoken before had had talked about that, you know, um, but it doesn't take much. It's just, you know, a few games or, you know, anything just to enhance that human to human connection. Um, and and that just, I, I think, speaks volumes for me today. I think as practitioners, sometimes people are feeling like, oh, but if we're playing games, we're not really doing anything. You know, we need to get to what, what's going on for this family. But it's it's actually the connection <clears throat> that is created then that that these conversations can grow organically and um, um, people can be authentic and honest with each other. So that really shines through for me today. So would would the the, the two remaining mothers like to make any reflections on that or? Um, well, I, I definitely agree with that, uh, that, you know, these relationships need to be fostered and, and it needs to be genuine and organic. So, um, I think that's, you know, when it's genuine, it's, it's going to be, you know, all the more better. Well, it will be better. Uh, but I think just letting the kids and whoever, whoever is in therapy, letting them feel that level of comfort where they can express themselves openly. It's not a coercion or it's not forced upon them uh, or you know, somebody's insisting, you need to say something. Like my other daughter, um, like my other daughter mentioned, you know, she felt like they were like they were telling her, you need to say something or we're gonna sit here in silence. So um, that's very uncomfortable, especially for a child, you know, being with somebody they don't know an adult and in that therapeutic setting, it, it can be very intimidating. And, um, you know, the way your institution put us at ease, or institute, I should say, not institution, uh, put us at ease as a family and, and allowed us to kind of naturally interact with one another. You got to see the real deal. We got to feel, you know, the confidence to be ourselves. And you could, you know, make the true reports. You could make truly what you saw things to be yes you know um there's not a guess it's not a guessing game or maybe i i think it's like this it's it's what you see is what you get you know what what it was you see it for what yeah. it is yes yes and i think that was very i'm just gonna like comment on that i think that was very integral was the reports that we wrote up because i think the reports were were very different than the reports that they had previously received and you know they were there to see it for themselves as well so there were very you know these multiple layers of these connections were um were, were so important you know um so um but 
but it's been a pleasure to have uh, been able to speak and um, we will hopefully be talking soon. Thank you so much. And just let everybody else know, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. I sure will. Thank you for having us. And it's been a pleasure being able to, you know, express this once again. <laughs> yes, thank you. Please honor this person's story by sharing it with others to inspire hope.